Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm Odette. And I'm Madeline. And, and we, we love Christian fiction. fiction. We love it so much that we wanted to talk about it on a podcast. Each episode, we will read classics of the genre or new releases. And discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join us. Hello, hello. Welcome, hello, welcome. everyone. Another episode of Redeeming Web Podcast. Yay! Here we are. So this is episode two of our Books Other Love series. Yes. yes. Our book recommendation, recommendation. sideshow. Others loves. Yes. Our that is in between our, our themes, which in fact is its own theme, which is kind of on brand for us. Well, that <laughs> we themes upon themes. Um, and we just want to give a little housekeeping that we are recording this virtually because let's talk about the price of gas. Um, in 2022 <laughs> and we live an hour oh, apart just... from each other because central you know the area that we live in I almost where we live I guess it matter, <laughs> the area that we live in is very vast so it's easy to live far apart from each other but yeah. hang out a lot um so anyways we're recording virtually so if there's any weird sounds or anything we sincerely apologize and we will take that into consideration <laughs> yes <laughs> life happens exactly <laughs> yeah um so that's the one piece of housekeeping um what book are we reading today ladies we are reading the, the do-over do- by bethany turner by our the amazing bethany turner. bethany turner oh yes <laughs> you just called her <laughs> i think she'll appreciate it <laughs> she will appreciate it <laughs> she is our she is. she is this is the first repeat author that we've had on the podcast and she was our first author interview yeah so come on. i mean big, obviously friend of the and pod friend, of, friend the, of the lifelong pod. friend of the pod what she doesn't know mm-hmm. is like she was the first friend of the pod she was our first friend as our family <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think I mean, she was probably true. before some members of our family so well that's yep. true um <laughs> although i sincerely Just don't know saying. if my dad listens i don't know if he would or not to be honest but... he doesn't after all of the so. after all of the messages he sent you about it <laughs> no he's he's on our instagram <laughs> oh that's true well i know for <laughs> my husband still does not listen to this podcast so what has he listened to he any doesn't. of it no he's never okay. listened to any of it he's such a turd <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on the record to say I don't think it's okay, but that's fine. <laughs> no, as long as if it doesn't y'all's upset Madeline, it doesn't listens. upset me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dad listens. Y'all, y'all's dad oh, does he? Well, yeah. I figured. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My husband listens, and he's desperate to be a guest at some point in time, and oh so gosh. he's just waiting to hear if we discuss a book that he's interested in. He's basically going to beg us to be a guest on the podcast. He's already <laughs> oh told God. me. That would be exciting. <gasps> oh my gosh! But so here's the what thing: if- is Morgan's married to like a another big like yes book guy, and my husband yeah. like doesn't really read. Like he doesn't enjoy reading. I was going to say, listen. So he's not probably going to listen to a podcast an about books. That like a husband could be on, and then if I marry someone who's interested in books, he although <laughs> wow, yes, <laughs> we could <laughs> totally. It could totally be a book that. Madeline's husband has read before. That's true. My husband and Madeline's husband have probably read some of the same books in the Christian fiction genre. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. That would actually well, be a super fun episode to have them. What if we did it as a bonus episode? Yeah. 
It would be yes, that'd be fun. That, that would be, be so that'd much be, fun. I feel like we need to add that to our list and pick something that's a little bit like different for us and kind of yes. embrace that. That would be super fun. I love it. Very nice. Anyway. Okay, so that was a little digress. Um, the other piece <laughs> Rabbit no, trail. not digress, a rabbit trail or no, I'm calling those little bunny trails where it's oh, like, small. okay. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Bunny hop. A, a bunny hop. That's what I called them earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier is in, well, I don't know if the episode would have come out by this point that we know. Yeah, I think so. I have, no, I have no idea. <laughs> we're, we're doing a lot of podcast recordings. Um, My brain is mush from all the, all the recordings. I have no idea yeah. when we said what. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but re- regardless, I did on one episode, whether or not you heard it, yes. but you heard, may, maybe you heard it here first. You will hear it. When Madeline kind of went off one of, on Morgan's rabbit trails, I called it a little bunny hop because I yes. it. Like a side, yeah. side yeah. tangent to the um, Exactly. Um, the mm-hmm. other piece of housekeeping is we're going to um, read um, a um, email that we got from a fan, which is always so fun for us. Yeah. Um, and it's in regards to the Mandy episode. So if you didn't hear that episode, it was episode 10. It was the last one in our nostalgia series. Um, and it was kind of, it was the Mandy books by Lois Gladys Leopard. So I'll read you the email. And this is from Mary Ann. Just finished listening. I never read the Mandy books. I work in a small Christian bookstore. I have a couple of comments. First, on the Ted Decker Kid books. I believe you are correct that his website is the only place to get them. In the store, you saw the men may have done what we did at least once. At times, they discount them enough that we will buy a set and sell them at full price as a set. It's far from ideal, but it's the only option. Part of that comes to the second item. We really struggle to find new Christian fiction in the first chapter book area and for middle school readers. I'm always on the lookout for these areas for those areas. So the nice thing is to know that we're not alone in that. That yeah. is a little bit of an interesting kind of But even journey. this this woman who literally works in a Christian book. Yeah, obviously a professional bookseller. That she has a hard time finding like early read chapter books for yes. younger kids and middle school age kids, which there you go. So maybe there's yeah. probably not a lot being written currently. So yeah. listen, if you're a listener and you have an idea for a awesome middle age, middle school, well, not middle age, I mean, middle age too, but middle school age <laughs> or first readers books, write it because there's definitely a, there's, there's a, space a need in the for market. it. Yes. Yeah. And what we've kind of all learned about Christian fiction over the last over a dozen episodes now um, is that there's so much opportunity for all different kinds of Christian fiction. Yes. And so, yeah, it could be a fun, a fun journey. So Love awesome. It. All right. So that's all the housekeeping I have. Do you guys have any housekeeping to add along the uh-uh. way? That no, was everything I, I had too. Okay. Um, we need to back cover. Okay. I'm going to read the back cover copy for you all of The Do-Over by Bethany Turner. Here we go. Career-driven McKenna Keaton has devoted her life to attaining the senior partnership at her law firm. So asking a man on the date should be nothing. But the past four days have been the worst of her life and have called everything she thought she knew about herself into question. Besides, she can't remember her last real date, one that didn't involve using a blind date as an opportunity to get a stranger's perspective on effective cross-examination techniques. It's like sharing fondue with the jury. But a real date? And with shy, nerdy Henry Blumenthal, McKenna's high school rival for valedictorian, who once took three hours to beat her at chess? Scratch that. He's Hank Bloom now, the famed documentarian. Durham's darling son who has attained all his dreams and more. 
he also happens to look like he stepped out of an Eddie Bauer catalog. Whereas McKenna is a disgraced workaholic from New York on unpaid leave, accused of a white-collar crime she would never commit, succumbing to panic attacks, watching her dreams unravel. At age 38 and destined by the family curse to die before she turns 40, it appears, it's absolutely the wrong time to have a major crush on a man, especially one who treasures his memories of McKenna as the girl most likely to succeed. <sighs> Color me intrigued by that back cover. <laughs> here we are. Star reviews, and here we people. Are. Star, Star reviews. reviews. All right. Who, is, go who wants Morgan? to go first? I'll go first. Yeah. Go first. So... This is my second read of this for this year, actually. I rated it, or I read it back in March when it first came out. And as I was reading along this time, I was, because normally I don't read a book that, like reread a book that close. You know what I mean? Like it's just been a couple of months. Um, so I was a little bit concerned because at one point in the book, my rating I felt like my rating was going down from what I had originally rated it, but then I got to a couple chapters and um, that changed. So I, my original rating was five stars because I had zero problems with it and I thought it was fabulous. And my rating today is still five stars. So I'm reading wow, this book, five stars. There you go. Five. Second five star from you for the those who are keep, keeping account. Christy being the first yes. and the deal bird being the second. Right. Yes. Wow. All right. Well, I'll go next if you want, Madeline. I also, yeah. this is my first five star review rating on the podcast. Um, this book was incredible. And I, unlike Morgan, love rereading books that I just read. Um, and half the time I like reread the second half after I read a book that I love. Um, but yeah, I loved this book. I thought it was well-written. I thought that it was Bethany Turner at her best. Um, I loved the character dynamics. I loved the romance. I loved McKenna's journey and everything about this book was gold. And I will read this book probably again this year. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. For the third time? <laughs> Three times yeah, in one either. year. I mean, do you guys remember I read Redeeming Love three times before we recorded the that's first episode right, of the podcast? That's right. She that, did. That's a, that's a I'm also the person who will literally watch a movie and love it so much and literally press play and rewatch it. Yes. I have I have done that um, two or three times in my life with movies, like immediately watch them again. But I feel yeah. like that's not as major of a time commitment. Like that's just yeah. two hours. Yes, yeah, sure. you know. Where a book could take you days, depending on the book. That's and, true. You know, and how yeah. fast of a reader you are. Yeah. Well, All right, Madeline, what's your star review? I gave this a four and a half stars. Which is very high for Madeline. Yeah, this is very high. <laughs> yeah, this That's is her highest high. rating. No, I, I, like think, I think Christy. I, just, I think Christy, I think Christy was of, equally uh, high. I think Christy was a 4.75 for you. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I just, there you go. I hate giving five-star reviews I just That's or fair. ratings on books because I just feel like nothing can be perfect, right? Like, there can't be anything that I'm like, well, whatever. That may, maybe that's silly, but that's that's just how I feel. But that's anyway, fair. I genuinely love this book. Um, there really wasn't anything about it that bothered me. It was funny because I was reading a lot of reviews and there was a lot of things that, like, people didn't like about it or that bothered them. And I was like, hmm. 
that didn't bother me at all. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I'll be interested like, to hear. Oh, it didn't bother me at all. Yeah, um, I'm curious to hear what the reviews were because, because also too, we know that when we read Bethany Turner, while we loved her book, we definitely all gave it a rating because we had a problem with the whole Liam and Olivia kiss multiple times oh, when he was dating twist, other women. Plot, yeah, yes. plot twist. The other book that that we read. So. I also would be curious because there was none of that kind of, you know, thing in this one that yeah. I'd be curious to know what people, yeah. anyways, kind of thought about that. But. Anyway, so I, yeah. I highly enjoyed it. I will recommend it to many people. It's great. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Love it. Um, is it time for Mads Rad Reviews? Mads Rad yes. Reviews. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I wrote them down on a piece of paper because... <laughs> Because I can't exit from this screen that we're recording on or else you can't hear my audio anymore. Okay. (laughs) So here we go. So hopefully what I'm saying is hopefully I can read my own handwriting because I wrote it very quickly. Love it. Um, I have a couple of reviews that I thought were interesting. I'll start with this one, the longest, a long one. It's by somebody named Roguish. And this person... Roguish? Do you think that that's like their online name or like their, their... It ha- surely it's like their 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 Those online things. persona <laughs> probably okay. roguish this person gave it roguish gave it two stars roguish said phew am i glad i wasn't the only one that was just all the way put off by mckenna she came off really closed off and judgmental hey i get it a strong independent character with a no-nonsense attitude who's addicted to work and completely focused on her career the way, okay, the way the author wrote her, though, she didn't sit right with me. I couldn't relate to her at all. Henry was a cutie pie, though, so <laughs> two stars for Henry. <laughs> two stars for Henry? So she gave only two stars to Henry. She must have thought. And that was the only, she only gave the book two stars. <laughs> so that means that Henry was the only reason why she gave the book two stars to begin with. <laughs> also, like, here's. The thing, that's a bold move as a reviewer. If you say someone's a cutie pie, then give them two stars. I know. It seems like. <laughs> like you, just cutie pie. Two, two just stars. Two. <laughs> okay. Anyways, here's the next review. Kristen. Kristen gave it five stars. Okay. She said, sweet and hilarious. I loved this book. There you go. I, I felt I felt the same way as Kristen, so that's why mm-hmm. I kind of included this review. Love it. And Sweet finally, and hilarious. A rather confusing review for me, and I was wondering if maybe you guys could enlighten me on what this means. <laughs> Christine. Oh, now I'm excited. Yeah. Christine, she gave it three stars. And she said zero out of five chili pepper emoji. Oh. What is this? Oh. Mean? There's no sex on the page. Oh, okay. That's what that means. So she's like, listen, there's something making out, her, though. So that was her only comment oh. with her three-star review is that just let... Did she not know Christian fiction doesn't have... Well, doesn't but maybe if she's... Did you, like, go look at this person's profile or anything? Maybe they review romance books regularly. Oh, I did not. That's like... Profile. romance reviewers usually post that kind of stuff because other romance reviewers want to know well is that the only mm-hmm. thing romance reviewers post just no you, no else? but it's often in their rating thing okay well I like the same way i still think it's chili peppers that she gave it three stars and then just said 
Zero out of Zero five. Zero out of five chili peppers. Chili pepper emoji. Yeah, I've used um, <laughs> like fire emojis for mine. But, okay. Well, there you go. Now I've been enlightened on what that actually means. But Christine. <laughs> well, Christine, so has that for all of our listeners. So Christine, we want to you... know what you thought about the book. Why did you give it three stars? Obviously, you liked it some if you gave it three stars. Listen, she give liked more. it more than, than the, the lady who liked Cutie Pie Henry and gave him two stars. Yeah, seriously. That lady just didn't like McKenna. Yeah, but mm. she only gave Henry two stars. I'm confused. Henry's a dreamboat, so. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's like, how dare you? <laughs> okay, so right. should we um, move on to summary? Should we dive Let's in? Dive, dive in. in. <laughs> I'm very glad this isn't a video podcast because we all kind of do weird diving. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so the book starts out and like the prologue mm-hmm. is kind of McKenna. And you're getting her like backstory kind of about her life. And she Mm -hmm. talks about how it was her and her sister and her mom and dad for a while. And then Mm -hmm. things got amazing when her family moved to New York. Like they lived in New York Mm -hmm. City when she was young. Was she about 10? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. That very informative. She was like 12 maybe. Okay. Yeah. So like... And everything was great. Her mom was, like, doing, like, a lot of acting auditions and trying out her stuff. Because her mom studied theater in college, and her dad was a history professor at Columbia. That's why they moved to New York. Yes. So so she was basically just, like, on cloud nine. This was clearly, like, such an influential time in her life. And then... She loved being in the city, too. Yes. Like, New York City. Yeah, like, she loved New York. That was mostly what the prologue was about, was, like, her, basically, her the start of her love affair with New York City. And mm-hmm. and her mom, I guess, had gotten a part as an understudy for Mrs. Potts, right, in Beauty and the Beast, and then found out she was pregnant. Yes. And it was a surprise pregnancy. Well, um, or, but, like, the way she, she took them, can I just read you a, a little portion yeah. of this? So she takes them to a play, and she's sitting her two daughters, because it was McKenna and her sister Erica. And they were sitting in, in the theater with her mom. And um, in the first act of Les Mis, um, yes. the Fantina song, I Dreamed a Dream, and my mom whispers to us, there are all sorts of dreams, girls, and sometimes they come true. And that's when I noticed the tears streaming down her face, and I knew that my perfect life had somehow gotten better. So that was right when her mom told them that she became the understudy. And then four days later, found out she was pregnant. Oh, yes. Their younger sister, Taylor, who was born like 11 years, 11, 12 years after uh, McKenna. Yeah. So, right. so it was, it was an unplanned surprise pregnancy. <laughs> right. But because of that, they decided like she lost the role as the understudy. Mm-hmm. And did, the, did they decide at that point with the baby that they wanted to move back? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So then they so then they left New York and moved back to is it Durham. North? Carolina. South Carolina. North Carolina. So, north. Okay. No, north. Um, Durham is near Chapel Hill in North Carolina. I don't I'm very bad at geography. Um so anyway, so then they moved That's back okay. <laughs> and McKenna <laughs> well and McKenna um has like that was so hard for her because she was so in love mm-hmm. with New York City and then she was also yeah. kind of took on um a bit made it personal 
um, about what her mom like had to give up. And so then she kind of like automatically was predisposed to dislike her baby sister because she was like, this baby came along and ruined everything everything that was good for (laughs) my family, basically. So that was, that's pretty much the prologue. So then it kind of sets up a kind of, the plot kicks in and we are with McKenna and she's in her office at a law firm in New York where she has worked for like 13 years and she's on the phone with her big sister Erica and basically you find out that she's about to walk into this big meeting where she is fully expecting to be asked to become a senior partner at mm-hmm. the law firm. She's currently a junior partner. Um, so she's very excited. She has prepared all these um, papers mm-hmm. for everybody in the room. She's got her presentation ready to go. She's like nervous. She's like, this is this is what she's worked for. This is why she mm-hmm. spent. Um, this is why she went to college. This is why she did what she did. She went to law school. Why mm-hmm. she went to college, why she went to law school, why she's lived in New York. Like she's been working for this. Yes. Um, and she's 38 in this yeah. part of the book. And so she's like, it's finally happening. Like, my dream's coming true. Like, I'm about to be a senior partner at this law firm. Erica's like, call me when you get out. I'm so excited. Well, yeah, because Erica lives in Raleigh and has, like, three kids and is a high school history teacher. And they FaceTime all the time. But clearly, McKenna doesn't come home a lot. She's very much, like, a career woman. Um, Workaholic. So then she goes in to the meeting (laughs) with all of her papers to pass out to everybody. And it's just the three senior, the three senior partners sitting in there. Yes. Wallace, Monroe, and Burke. Burkehead. 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 Oh, is it Burkehead, right? Burkehead. 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 His name is the law firm. It's just the three of them sitting there. She's like, oh, I made too many papers. Um, Too many packets. (laughs) Um, And basically they tell her that hey, we're going to need you to take a leave of absence, um, an unpaid leave of absence, because, uh, yeah, looks like you have embezzled something like $300,000, and we're going to have to launch a full investigation. And she's like, she's like, what? (laughs) So that's where we start. She's shell-shocked, and she's, like, also blindsided. And for the record, Mm -hmm. so... I'm about to get a little bit vulnerable here. So not that there's going to be a sound effect for vulnerability. Um, not that we're not otherwise. But um, so I had something happen a couple years ago in my career where I was blindsided in a meeting by being like a company I did not see coming. And the way that Bethany wrote this, it felt very much how 100% you're sitting in a meeting expecting it to be one thing. And I mean, I wasn't expecting a promotion of any kind. I just thought it was a regular meeting um, at how you feel like you can't even like you're kind of like blacking out and people are talking to you and you don't know what's happening. And then you're very emotional. I wept, but like she held it together in the book, which I was like, it said that she bit her side of her cheek till it bled. Like I did not do that. I just couldn't stop crying. Um, so I felt like the way that Bethany wrote that was like on point for what that's like to be blindsided by something bad when you think it's going to be something Mm -hmm. regular or good in a job and it's very Mm -hmm. unexpected and something that you didn't do anything she obviously didn't embezzle the money um but she is you know and it's it's obviously different being accused of embezzlement than it is being let go suddenly but it's definitely those emotions I think that you feel you feel betrayed and you feel like I don't know what happened how did this get to this point and all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. why did no one tell me why was there no warning like anything like that um, and so I felt like even the way she like walks out of the place kind of numb and just signs papers and doesn't know what's happening and just kind of walks home and is like, well, now what? 
that's absolutely how you feel in that situation. So I really appreciated the way that mm-hmm. Bethany wrote that. Hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, she's, I mean, fabulous author. Clearly. Yeah. Um, because this is the second book we're reading here. But <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep moving through the plot. Yes. Um, yes. So basically, she's like, what do I do? I'm just going to, I'm on this unpaid leave of absence. I'm just going to go home because, by the way, my baby sister's engagement party is like mm-hmm. next weekend. So I might as well just go home anyways. And she wasn't going to originally be able to go to it. So she was like, all right, well, I might as well go down to Durham. Yes. And kind of go from there. She tells Erica, her older sister, what yes. happened. So Erica's yes. the only Yes. Because Erica was like, just come to, just come home. She was yeah. like, just come home. And you can kind of go from there. She was like, basically, she was like, just sublight your apartment. So she sub, that's her apartment and everything in New York um, to kind of go home. She's obviously, it's an unpaid leave. So it was a good way for her to kind of keep things I guess afloat in New York in some respects so yeah, yeah. New York ain't cheap people that's so true yeah. <laughs> Erica and yeah. um so she was like Erica you can't tell anyone because Erica is her best friend so she's like can't tell anyone yeah so she keeps it a secret from her parents and from her little sister um and um but Erica's husband finds out so yeah of that- course because like here's the the thing if you tell someone the chances of their husband finding out, like you tell your girlfriend something, is pretty high. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I just assume that the husband or the spouse is gonna know. Like, oh yeah, just... I never. Unless you specifically a... ask, hey, don't tell. Yeah, your husband. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe if we're talking about like periods or something, they won't tell them. But like in general, things like news like that, you're. Right. <laughs> I mean, um, so in that like meeting with them, um, where she's home and with the family everyone's kind of there and so they're like having dinner together and it's like Erica Jared is his name right yeah Jared her her husband is he an orthodontist yes 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 her parents are there and then it's Taylor and Taylor's fiance Jackson Jackson mm-hmm. and they're all there and they're having dinner and whatever and like they start like going around and they're like having fun and catching up but then it kind of like Erica well before this happens like she starts having a panic attack just when she's with her parents. McKenna does. Yes. Sorry, McKenna has a panic attack. And so then, like, later at dinner, it, like, starts to kind of happen again. And she kind of, like, reels it in. But then Jared's like, hey, so sorry to break up this party, guys, but I have to go to this. Um... He does it on purpose, too, though, to help McKenna. Well, but he has to go to this thing. But he No, meant- but I'm saying the way he does that is because she's like having a panic and like everyone's kind of trying to find out information from her and she's like having a panic attack and he kind of says it to to divert because he knows too oh right to just divert the attention yeah. like yeah, hey, yeah 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 i'm gonna leave yeah. to go to the thing and then she's like oh um take me with you i, I can't <laughs> get me out of here <laughs> yeah so, so they he end- tells her we should talk about where they're going though because like that's just a fun yeah. story Right. That's yeah. Like, so they end up going to this um, thing at this, it's like at a gym at their old high school is where they're <laughs> being held. Right. It's a documentary um, showing. Right. A documentary film showing by this famous documentarian named Hank Bloom, who is like this wonderkind and he made all these documentaries and he's super famous. Like Ken, the Ken Burns, like the next Ken Burns. Yes. And McKenna is a super fan of oh, Hank Bloom. So when she finds out that they're going there, she's so excited. She's like, oh, I love Hank Bloom. Yes. She's seen all his documentaries. She's so excited. Yes. 
and 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 Cat or Jared's kind of like, you know who this is though, right? Like you know who Hank Bloom is though, like you know why I've been invited to come to this thing. And she's like, no, wait, did you just buy a ticket? Like you know, <laughs> she's like so confused. He's like, no, and he's it's like, our no. friend from high school. Yeah, it's our friend. It's Henry. It's Henry Blumenthal from high school. And she's and like, she's like what? What? She's like, nah. She's floored. <laughs> so it's basically the three of them, her and Jared and Henry, used to hang out a bunch in high school because they were all kind of like nerdy and more academic and like super focused on like getting into good colleges. And being valedictorian and being valedictorians and all, yeah. and all that stuff. So they all kind of like, they did like model UN together and like student government and that kind of thing. Yes. Um, but she hadn't seen Henry in like, years and years and years and of course she had stayed in she had become stayed friends with jared all this time because jared had married erica her sister um so she was like what this is so confusing so they go and they're like at this documentary thing and here comes henry <laughs> and she describes how he doesn't look nerdy anymore <laughs> she's like oh he does not look nerdy anymore he looks like he walked out of an eddie bauer catalog yeah and he thinks she's Erica. So he says to yeah. her, he doesn't even, he's like. <laughs> At first he assumes Erica because she's. Yeah. Like, and yeah, then she is, literally. Oh, nice. To, glad you could make it. The documentary is about like William and Kate. Um, and like the royal family in England, yeah. which is like fabulous. Um, and so then Henry's like, hey, we should all go to dinner. Um, and so McKenna decides she's going to tell him that she's not Erica. So she's like, whispers. She's like, and he's like, what? And she's like, I'm not Erica. And then he's like, and she goes, I'm McKenna or something. And then he he just like, McKenna, Keaton. And he just is like shocked because he hasn't seen her since high school. Yeah. And he has this kind of like really weird reaction to her that kind of like, it's like, wait, did I, did I say the wrong thing? Because she had mentioned yeah. like that she didn't realize who he was. She's like, oh, yeah. I didn't realize Hank Bloom was you. Like, I didn't realize that. So yeah. then when he, yeah. weirdly, when he was like, oh, McKenna. She was like, oh, shoot, did I offend him? And then she was all yeah. in her head. They're at dinner. And she's like, why is he being so weird to me? Blah, blah, blah. It was like a super weird interaction. <laughs> yeah. Well, the at dinner life. then, can we talk about the loveliness of the dinner that they all have while slipping ramen noodles? Yeah. What? What, I mean, wait, what, what was what? lovely about it? So he starts by saying, he basically asks her if she's married and has kids. And then it starts this whole conversation where he basically oh, ends oh, up yes. having this whole dialogue with her about how there was this girl in high school, Melanie, who was like the, you know, head cheerleader and all this stuff. And then he found out she got into the National Honor Society and he was like upset that she didn't come to the ceremony or whatever. And so he went over and talked to her and she was like, no, I don't, my dream is to be a mom and a, and a wife. And the only reason why I'm going to college is to meet somebody. And, um, so in this, McKenna starts saying, when he's telling the story about Melanie, she's like, well, some women said, he's like, no, but for her, it wasn't settling. And then he apologizes and says to her, I'm sorry for framing your story like Melanie's, meaning that like he knew McKenna was career driven and she always was yeah. that way. Right. And the fact that his opening question to her after 20 years of not seeing her was, are you married and do you have kids? Was this kind of juxtaposition of who she was. And I yeah. really appreciated that because I feel like it's very common in Christian circles um, or like, or even in general, like if you haven't seen someone to be like, oh, are you dating anyone? Are you married? Do you have kids? Which is fine. That's a fine question. But that's usually the secondary thing versus kind of the first thing 
you know, or I'm sorry, it's usually the first thing. And then secondary is like, oh, what do you do now or something? So I appreciate the fact that he admitted that he made a mistake and was like very kind about it. Was like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have put that on you. And then that's when she starts swooning for Henry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She's swooning now. So then they go back to the documentary thing. Mm-hmm. and he has to like go make a speech because the film was over they were basically eating dinner while the film was being played like he was like i've seen this so many times like, like oh, yeah. then do you want to go to dinner yeah. and then he has to go up on stage to do like the q a portion and she like, has this really like hilarious moment where, she, where he's going on stage she yells go team <laughs> she oh yells like go team. awkward interaction where like Shaking his hand, but then like holding it for too long, and like, and then she yelled, "Go team!" Like, I really have to go. Like up there, they're waiting for me, and she's like, "Go team!" Oh my uh, gosh! And she was like holding his hand. She wasn't just shaking. It's hilarious. Um, the interaction is beautifully. It's written. like perfectly and lovelyly awkward. Perfect. And then she goes lovely, home. Lovely. Yeah. Op- yes, she mm-hmm. goes home. Because she has, she's starting to get a panic attack again. She doesn't want to tell Jared why she's getting a panic attack, but it's basically because she's like catching all these feelings for this guy and it's freaking her yeah. out. And she just does not want to have to see him anymore. Um, so basically, she's like, Jared, I have to go now. I have it's, it's women problems. Things. I have women's <laughs> problems. Like, she's like, okay, I'll get an Uber. Here's my car keys. So he stays behind. She leaves. Um, oh my God. It's hilarious. She goes back, um, like telling Erica, all this that happened, Erica's like, haha, you're so funny. Um, and then Jared gets back to the house well, later that evening. And Henry- I want to say one thing that an, an important note is over dinner, they talk about his next documentary. Oh, yeah, he's gonna make. And so this is an important thing. Um, sorry, I just wanted to find the title. I think it's called um, she It's Dreams About America or something. Like that. She Dreams of America, yeah. Yes. And it's about women immigrating to America in the early kind of. Ter- turn of the 18th or 19th century um, turn of the 20th century right yeah uh 18 well actually so. i don't think they talked oh. about the wave of immigration they were looking at specifically oh, okay. regardless um <laughs> and, and jared says that um mckenna's dad would love to talk to henry about this because he's done a ton of research and he actually has this like mighty oak of the keaton family tree um so he tells uh, Henry, Jared tells Henry that he should come and talk to McKenna's dad. Yes. So he comes back to the house with Jared. Jared. And Henry. Yes. And he brings Henry. McKenna is She's like in and in her sweats and doesn't know what to do. And, and it's like, like swooning. Oh, oh, sheesh, you really like this guy. Okay. Like she's Basically. literally, she like can't breathe and can't speak. She's like. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so yeah right like he goes and looks at the family tree and they're in there for a while and there's kind of a funny interaction with McKenna's nephew but then McKenna and Henry end up um in the in we have to talk about what what? what her nephew comes and tells her well well, we just like we get we need to recap it though so basically what happens is there, McKenna ends up going in there after they've talked, um, been in there for a while, like Henry's mm-hmm. talking to um, her dad, whatever. He finds this pattern in their like family tree that's basically like every woman who never got married or never had kids, like basically died by the time she was 40 or a little bit before. Single. 
40. Like died single. Died single. <laughs> right around 40. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and she's 38. <laughs> the women who didn't get married. The women who didn't yes. get married and didn't have kids, they seemed to die like right before they turned 40 or by the time they were mm-hmm. 40. And then she was, she's 38. So her nephew came running and it was like, and McKenna, you have to get married. He said you have to get married. Whatever. So it's like, you're 40 or you're going to die. And she was like, but what? not what I was saying. I was just noticing an interesting thing in your family tree. Like, I don't know why that happens. But they basically end up having this interaction between the two of them where everybody else leaves. And he's basically like, oh, hey, by the way, um, I didn't really come back here because I wanted to look at your dad's family tree. I wanted to just like apologize to you and make sure again about the weird thing I said at dinner and like make sure we were cool are we cool and she was like oh she's like yes of course we're cool (laughs) yes it's fine everything's fine it's fine everything's fine um so it was a really cute interaction very cute very cute next 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 is the next thing that happens is he randomly shows up again the next morning yes is that it okay yes Mm -hmm. Because so, he actually also found interesting things in her family tree that he wants to explore. Yes, but he so he randomly shows up while they're having breakfast, um, and he tells McKenna, like he delivers the the information that he found to her father, and then he tells McKenna, "Oh, I'm gonna." Um, well, wait, doesn't he at that point? Doesn't he ask her if she wants to be a part? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So he's like, "Hey, do you?" do you like want to be a part of this like research process? It's your family tree. I'm going to be going to New York. And she's like, of course I want to be a part of this. And she has, she doesn't know that her schedule is so, so free right now because of (laughs) work stuff, but it is. So she agrees and they decide that, um, do they he has to leave right away doesn't he isn't this the part where like he's like oh but i have to go to england for a couple weeks oh that's right that's right wait a couple weeks wait wait before this though they 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 spend more time together researching before he no isn't this the mr darcy part where he comes in and he's like sits awkwardly in the living room she's like do you want any coffee and he's like no yes yeah i'd love some coffee no actually i have to go like i'm i'm only here for yes Okay, it, yes. It is. Not, That's right. They haven't started. But yet. I thought, when's the scene in her dad's study where they're basically it's later. smelling each other? <laughs> happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Um, so basically he comes <laughs> there's this hilarious Mr. Darcy from the two thousand five um version of Pride and Prejudice where that really awkward version, but also I think it's in the nineteen ninety five version too, where he like comes in and he like wants to talk to Elizabeth, but then he's like yep gotta go and then he like runs out it was the same kind of thing <laughs> it's hilarious um but before he leaves he's like i gotta go to england for a couple weeks but when i get back maybe we could <laughs> and then he does the same thing else and then she's like yes i would like <laughs> <laughs> absolutely whatever you're, you're you're wanting yes yes <laughs> So I thought he just went for a couple of days. I didn't think he went for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it was just oh, a couple of days. Whatever. But then when he comes back is when they start working on the film together. Yes. And just research together. So then they have that moment in her dad's study, Odette, that you were talking yes. about. Yes. But they're looking at a map. 
Yes. And, like, he's leaning over her, and it's very, like, swoony and romantic. And she talks about the way that he smells, and... Yes. She talks about the way that he smells a lot. She really (laughs) does, does. actually. Here's the thing, though. I feel like if you're around a guy who smells good, you think about it a good That's Especially in the early stages. Absolutely. You also, for the record, if he smells bad, you're like, who don't know if I You also think about that. You also think about that. That's a very different feeling in Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and it's like could i should i not date this guy because he smells bad well, i don't know maybe. <laughs> maybe maybe okay so anyways um so they go to new york she arrives henry has them because then he's like i need to do fundraising for my film as part of the yes. process as i fundraise um for Will each film i need to raise about five million dollars and she's mm-hmm. like sure um so anyway so she goes um, they are staying at the Plaza Hotel, which is so fancy yeah. schmancy. Oh, and, and it's like in a um, suite. So they have their own separate rooms. They're like in yes, the, like they're in the same suite. And so, um, and so then they go, and there's a couple of like we can't really elaborate on them too much because we're running short on time. But like, there's a couple of really fun scenes where like they have these moments where they share how much they both love New York and it's this really like bonding thing. And then there's some making out. Actually, there's a lot. Also with the piece of New New York, I want to say two quick things. So one thing is she quotes a line and doesn't realize it's from his movie um, that she, and she's, and so it's it's just delightful because he's realizing that she doesn't even realize how much she loves his work. And so it's just like very sweet, but she loves this movie about, it's a documentary about New York that he did years ago. Um, and he also tells her that he had a crush on her in high school, which is very sweet. Yes. But then he and likes then her. Ma- and then they make out. Like up against the window okay. in the hotel. <laughs> yes. Okay. So anyways, so they like go very and sweet. they have this day and they like eat food and walk around New York and kind of like have this date day. But then that night is the big fancy event, right? So she says so she's, she's going to, so she goes to um, Saks, gets a beautiful dress, the whole thing. Yes. Um, so she goes, spends a lot of money, gets all dolled up for the event, and goes and meets him at this fundraising event. At his date, yes. Yes. And he is naturally floored. He sees her. It literally takes his breath away. It's another really swoony scene. But something else is very important. Swoony. That we have. Yes. Very, but very something swoony. else important that we need to hit is that Jeremiah Burkhead is also there. And somebody who some, she the, thought she was gonna marry for a while because of their connection at work. So he's one of the partners from the law office that she's taken a leave of absence with. And actually several of the partners are there because they Mm -hmm. are donors for Hank Bloom's project. And they like, he kind of pulls her aside and they talk a little bit about the investigation. And doesn't he tell her that it's been decided at that point? Like, yeah, yeah, the investigation. I'm so sorry about the result of the investigation. I'm going to basically, basically he's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep you out of jail. But you're gonna yeah. be she's like, what now? And, and so like, yeah, I'm gonna like, do whatever it takes to keep you out of jail. And she's and, like, um. and like it's literally in the middle of all of this that's happening. Henry sees them having this interaction, knows something's going on, but McKenna doesn't tell him because he has no idea about the embezzlement charges. He hasn't told her right. she hasn't told him anything. And then he even like, we can leave, like, are you okay? And she's like, No, I'm not okay. And she's like, You know, do you not trust me? And she's like, No, it's I do trust you, but like I can't. And they end up having this fight and she just like leaves New York. Yes. Um, so because clearly she's keeping something from him. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, well, this is over, I guess. Right. 
and so she, in the same day, which is very rom com. Yeah. That you have this yes. magical day. Whirlwind. Yes. <laughs> whirlwind. And then it ends in the same dramatic way that it started. And you're like, what the hell? And she, she goes back to New York or to Durham very crushed. Uh-huh. And very like, crushed. and yes. Taylor is there actually and helps her through the first part of her like devastation. Like, I lost Henry. And crying my, fest. my job like basically is so it's like twofold it's like henry and also the fact that her job was like an issue like because right. jeremiah right. told her that that's, they had basically found her guilty right that's why she's enough proof that's why she's grieving but she doesn't tell that to taylor because at this point still nobody knows except for erica about the job yeah yeah but she definitely tells erica that she like likes henry and like you know all that kind of stuff and and um erica is like very helpful and yeah or Taylor is very helpful and well I mean she yeah yeah she tells Taylor about Henry more than more than um uh McKenna expects her to be yeah they well like, and I, it's more than McKenna has allowed her to be I think because right. yes. in the beginning we didn't talk about it but she has this like we talked about it briefly but basically because of her like dreams being dashed because of having to leave New York because her baby sister was born like that that created that rift between yes. the two of them so yes. basically as adults she's like i don't know this woman at all and like everything taylor did annoyed her like all the time and she would yes. never really she like to go to college to and, yeah. a part of her life yeah. like she never really let mm-hmm. her in her life so then she like kind of like started to let her in a little bit when she was telling mm-hmm. her about henry yeah um so basically she spends the next couple of weeks um, and she's just like mourning and grieving and finally decides to reach out after a night of drinking wine with Jared and Erica. <laughs> like you do. Yes. <laughs> Which is natural. And leave and she leaves him a message. But he basically yes. says, like, text me, I don't listen to my voicemails. This is gonna go in the black hole. Yes. That's what his voicemail okay. says. That's what yes, his voicemail yes, says. Yeah. Yes, that's so his voice. Like, okay, you'll his probably never message. get this. You'll probably never get mm-hmm. this. But she leaves him this message, and then she's like, okay, like, at least I... And I she basically tells that. him in the message that she's like, I was afraid to be vulnerable. I was afraid, you know, I was afraid to be human and feel things and da 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 So basically, like, yeah. thank you for being with, with you showed me that it was okay to feel things. It's kind of the gist of it, so to speak. Yeah, so... Time goes on. It's time for Taylor and Jackson's wedding. Mm-hmm. She finds some random wedding date. It no, it's not a random wedding. It's the guy yeah. she went to prom with. I well, mean, he is, here. He but is random, random, but yes. yes. But I'm she, saying like yeah. he. But at her junior prom, he danced with all the other girls and left her there. Yes, <laughs> yes. he was she her. He jilted her. Yes, they yeah. danced together at prom. So, anyways, she takes this guy as a, her date to her sister, her baby sister's wedding, which is like beautiful. And then while they're like dancing. Henry just shows up at the wedding. <laughs> yes. He's like, mind if I cut in? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we do not mind. We do not mind at all. <laughs> so they, they have this like moment and it's like, you think she's going to tell about the, mm-hmm. the, the, the thing, and then she doesn't. And then he basically walks away, but he's basically like, listen, McKenna, like this, you know who you are. Like you've always known who you are. He basically mm-hmm. like gives her this like pep talk, like, yeah. Don't lose sight of that. Like you've always known what you've wanted. You've always known who you are. Like you're gonna find a way to get back to New York, basically. Because he was asking her, like, when are you going back to New York? Why are you like, still here? Yeah. Well, and and she he all like it's basically kind of that like 
it's he's forgiven her for the lack of trust that happened the months earlier at the event, different things like that. So yes. it kind of feels like they've turned over a new leaf, but he's, he's going like, he's working on his next documentary. So he's like leaving. Yes. And so she's he- like, yeah. And because at one point she kind of hints that maybe she's willing to live in Durham because he says Durham is home for him. And he's like, no, listen, I'm going to give you this pep talk. Like you're going to get back to New York. Don't worry about it. She's like, oh, so she, so then the next thing is she gets the phone call, right? the next day yeah mm-hmm. and basically it's from someone who works in accounts and it's mm-hmm. all very like hush hush you can't tell anybody that I told you this and yeah. technically you know whatever but basically there is um proof I think- that one of the senior partners is embezzling and um, blaming McKenna hoisting the blame off onto yes the other like junior part yes so it was mckenna and now it's somebody else and plot twist um it is (laughs) um another delightful book by bethany turner um it is jeremy burkhead which like part of me wonders part of jeremiah sorry not jeremy jeremiah burkhead well here's the thing is we got our timelines a little bit messed up so that call from the person from accounting happened like a couple weeks before the wedding. Um, but then the day after the wedding is when she gets the call from Jeremiah Burkhead. And oh, basically yes, she's it. like, oh, yeah. okay, Sorry. there's been a mistake. You've been acquitted. Come back to the firm and work for me. And she's like, wait a second. You're the one who embezzled. Wait, are you telling me that you embezzled the money? And he was like, yeah, so what? I made a freaking mistake. Like, just come work for me. I'll do whatever it takes. You want to be a senior partner? I'll make you a senior partner. And she's <laughs> like, I would never, you scum of the earth. I won't work for you. Bum, bum, bum. And I'm gonna take you to court, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna take you to court. So then, so then she's got some fire under her belly, and she's like, under her rear, whatever this phrase is, fire in her belly, under her. <laughs> you know. Okay, thank you for that. She got some fire <laughs> under her belly. She got some fire. <laughs> under her Yikes. Anyways, so <laughs> fire in her belly. What? Yes. I'm- but she also, in, in, in the, the meantime, I'm, I know we're, we're going to go over our allotted time, but I think we need to talk about one thing is that she has this really good moment with her mom before she goes to New York. Yes. Um, where it's basically her mom and her have this kind of redemptive moment because she has that kind of with Taylor earlier. Um, mm-hmm. But with her mom, her mom like basically says that, oh, you blame me and da 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 for all this stuff. And she's like, no, I never blamed you. I blamed Taylor. Like, so she literally took everything out that she had on Taylor and her mom always thought that McKenna, there was kind of a chasm between the two of them. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was really beautiful moment. And then she decides she's gonna not only go to New York to figure this whole thing out, like court wise, but she's also gonna go after Henry. Henry. And so she like finds out where he's going to be recording. She texts she does- him because they're yeah. texting. She's like, did you get to New York or whatever? And they text because like clearly things had, um, you know, moved on from the cold Arctic that it was yes. when he was mad. So clearly he, he had warmed up to her, so to speak. And so and anyway, were- so she does. It's this very cute thing where she like literally finds out where he's filming and she can see In him Battery Park. and she calls him. calls him or no, no, no. Yeah. He calls her. He calls her randomly while she's there. And she's she walking him, towards him. There's something she wants to tell him um, yes. is what she says in text. And he goes, and he's like, I'm really busy. Later. I'll call you later. Yeah. And then he, so then he, he calls has her. to know. She's there. And so she like stops and they're having this phone conversation and she's, it's this great scene where she's like talking on the phone to him and literally watching his body watching language, 
while he's, he's talking like, to her yes. on the phone. And it's so great. And so then finally she walks closer and he realizes and she's standing name. there. And, and he's just like taken aback. And then so they just great. start kissing. It's so wonderful. And she tells like, him like how much she loves him. Comedy moment. Like No, no. But perfect. can we talk about the fact that she doesn't tell him when they're... So they start kissing and then his producer comes over and is like, hey... We need to like talk about a couple things. And then him and the producer are talking and McKenna literally goes, I love you so much. It's stupid in front of the producer. And, in front of him. and then the producer's like, um, you know, what? I gotta go. I'm going to give you guys some time. Talking. And then she decides to tell him about everything that happened yes. at the law firm. Um, and she, and of like, course he's understanding down. about all and of And he's this. like, no, I didn't expect that. And she's like, I have to know how to tell you because in her mind too, he always saw her as this woman who went after things. And in her mind, she was like, I don't know how I tell him that that's, you know, right now not the story of my life um and um, so, so um so then the next scene is basically isn't that technically the last chapter yeah and then it's yeah, the epilogue they, right oh yes but then it's like it it's just magnificent because they're just yeah. like because that because then basically he tells her that he can um uh because she's like don't don't tell me that, like, you can't tell me that you love me and you tell you this. She doesn't about the job thing. And then he ends up telling her that he loves her. It's all great. And then there's the epilogue. And then in, in the epilogue, real briefly, it's a big family party. Um, everyone's there. Because her and Henry um, are together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Henry shows up. He'd been away working on stuff for a while yes, yes. In, for, like, a month and a half. He comes back and it's this huge family party and he keeps like standing up trying to like say something and everybody keeps interrupting him. The first interruption is Taylor and Jackson announcing that they're pregnant. The second interruption is Erica's water breaking. She's pregnant with twins. Because she's pregnant with twins and them having to rush off to the hospital. So then basically Henry um, haphazardly quickly proposes to her. But he was trying to propose and of course she accepts and it's just lovely and so then everything ends on this perfect note for everyone and it's lovely and delightful it's great it's really fantastic yes it's it's so lovely everything about it is lovely everything about it all right um morgan do you want to talk about um some rabbit trails i do so i went on a little rabbit trail this is very silly but um so basically, one of the things that I love about this book is it feels like, feels I, wrote like- this in, I wrote this in my initial, um, okay. <laughs> oh, there's a technical <laughs> difficulty. Oh, no. <laughs> Here's the thing about recording virtually is that it's a little bit different in Wi-Fi and internet has a, has a role in it. Um, I also at first thought because I switched to my other speakers instead of my headphones. So I don't know if that was what it was. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Okay, (laughs) sorry. Um, So um, in my initial review, I'd said that this whole story, so many elements of it um, feel like a love story to um, PBS. There's so many things about PBS in there. Oh my gosh. And so one of my, well, my only random rabbit trail is how I also love PBS and I wanted to recommend some PBS shows that I think everybody should watch if yes. you're not already watching them. Thank you very much. <laughs> right? Give us okay. Recommendations. Yes. So my number one recommendation, well, I, yes, one of my top recommendations is a show called Finding Your Roots, Ugh. which is amazing which and it is they actually specifically mentioned in this book. 
I think so. I think it is mentioned. Yes. I heartily second it. It is so good. So the concept of the show is they take celebrities um, and go back celebrities who have some sort of a question. There's something, some hole in their family tree that they want to learn more about. And the, um, the researchers go back and like build up their genealogy and their family tree. And so it's just so fascinating. You learn so much about these celebrities in the short time. There's always tears. It's so delightful. Such <laughs> a great show. Antique Roadshow. This Classic. is a tried and true. Classic. I love this show. Um, it is, to me, Antique Roadshow is what a lot of people are like, oh, I put on Home Shopping Network when I just want to like zone out and fall asleep. This is me with Antique Roadshow, except sometimes I won't fall asleep because I get really into it. But it's just like the ultimate comfort watch for me. I love Antique Roadshow. The premise of this is if you have been living under a rock for the last 25 years, um, Antique Roadshow is case. where people literally bring their old stuff that they find in their attic or that they found somewhere random and they take it to these appraisers, these like these huge venues, and they take them to these appraisers and they get their stuff looked at and, and appraised. Um, appraised. Exactly. And they find out if it's worth anything. Mm-hmm. that one anything masterpiece theater i think masterpiece theater is sublime anytime i see a lot of times they redo like classic literature so there's lots of like period dramas mm-hmm. um sanditon most recently was like a jane austen adaptation that was really good um but anything masterpiece theater and masterpiece mystery are always so good they're so good also if we're if pbs is looking for podcast to sponsor like we would <laughs> I don't think PBS. I feel like we're not posh enough for PBS. There's no way. But then the other one little thing I wanted to shout out is um, Lucy Worsley is a historian, and she has done several specials with PBS. And I think she's amazing. She does a lot of stuff about Jane Austen, um, a lot of stuff about British history. But she's she's so cool. I love everything she does. I'm a fangirl for Lucy War- Lucy Worsley. So anything with her name on it gets the Morgan stamp of approval. That's my random rabbit trail. I love it. Wow. Thank fantastic. you for that. Because honestly, um, now we're going for <laughs> exactly Odette's um, relevant relevant. research. Yes. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> like I have been because we don't have a sound engineer yet. Um, but we are taking um, applications. So if you're a sound engineer, <laughs> And would you like know, to work for free. Are we taking applications? <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. We can't um, pay you anything. But if you wanna if you wanna give us some free sound engineering. Yeah. Yeah. We will we'll take, take it. it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> also, if you're single, it could be the greatest love story. Wow. Well, it could be a love story waiting to happen. Did you like... know? <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, Uh-oh. 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 It sounds like love. <laughs> Oh Odette. my gosh. <laughs> that is not people. my research. I'm Odette. sorry. Now we're going to get people on here who don't even know anything about sound engineering. They're just interested in you because you're cute. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that many male listeners, though, so I think we're okay. Um, anyways, wow. Okay. Regardless, um, in all seriousness, sound engineer inquiries only. Okay. Um, so, um, the research I. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> I'm dying of that disclaimer. Sound engineering inquiries only. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So the research. the research I did was about a, a couple of things. Um, so one was um, in the kind of documentary research that Henry was doing, he mentioned a woman named Annie Moore. And so I wanted to look into that. And she was indeed the first immigrant to be processed on Ellis Island. A 17-year-old girl was traveling with her two younger brothers on the SS Nevada, arriving January 1st, 1892 from Queenstown, Cork, Ireland. So I thought that was kind of fun. Um, Then the other piece of research I did was um, I wanted to see what documentary has um, most recently won um oh. so because I, I thought that was interesting because there's a lot of talk one what one a Oscar. like an academy award okay mm-hmm. um so um there the oscar the most recent oscar was queen of basketball it was a short documentary um and it was about um o'neill and stephen curry um or they were the ones who did it and it was basically about um uh a woman who scored the first basket in Olympic women's basketball history and was drafted by the NBA team. So anyways, thought that was interesting. Um, The other piece of research that I did is not at all about history. It's in fact about a song. (laughs) On page 262, when Henry and uh, McKenna are dancing at the wedding, there is a band playing Savage Garden. Okay, so here's the thing is I know a lot of songs. I don't always know who sings them. Like I could tell you all the lyrics and I could dance them, but so here's some Savage Garden um, songs because I just wanted to know. Um, So let's take a listen. You guys hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, OMG. Oh, and you know that's the song that they that's were That's for sure the song they, they were dancing, dancing to. to. Yeah, obviously that was, but I couldn't, like, it's it's been a long time since I've, like, That's hilarious. That. So I literally looked up Savage Garden. Oh, yeah, because I wouldn't have been, like, I know that song, but I wouldn't have been able yeah. to do what group. Yeah, I was also, like, at, at, at first when I was thinking, I was like, oh, Savage Garden's a band. Anyway, so <laughs> I appreciated that. And <laughs> um yeah that's my relevant research love it love it it was very relevant it It was very relevant (laughs) thanks for the encouragement ladies (laughs) okay so up next we have is it this the spoon scale next yes spoon scale okay so for those of you who haven't heard the, the other episodes madeline what is our spoon scale and why do we have it Swoon scale. Okay, so we have a swoon scale uh, for one very important reason, and it is to judge the swooniness of the main characters of the books we're reading. So we take all of our uh, books and we judge them, our characters, and we judge them on a scale from zero to Colin Firth in a wet shirt. Mm-hmm. From the 1995. Yes, from yes. the 1995 uh, Pride and Prejudice film adaptation, which if you've never seen, come on now, people. We've been talking about this for weeks. 
literally weeks ago. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing other than reading, obviously reading along with these books that we're reading on our podcast? We're not idiots. We know you're doing that, but you should also be watching. Who wants to go first about the swing scale of McKenna and Henry? I want I want Morgan to go first. Okay. You go first. Um. So our yes. So my spoon scale. We had oh. a little bit. Of, we had a category for it. Yes, categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the category was teen movies. Teen, from the teen movies from the early two thousands. Right. Yes. 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 Okay. Correct. So I picked the first Princess Diaries was the movie that I picked. Okay. okay. And the scene. Oh, I'm I'm really proud of this one, you guys. The scene where Mia has just gotten a makeover, right? You guys remember that whole scene? Mm-hmm. Yes. She's just gotten a makeover. And the next day, she goes in the limo to pick up her best friend, Lily, and Lily's brother, Michael, mm-hmm. in, in the limo. And mm-hmm. Michael is, like, outside being moody, and he opens the limo, or he's like, Lily, Mia's here, blah, blah, blah. And so he goes to open the limo door to get in and Mia like emerges and her hair just flips and it's like, and Michael can't say anything. He just (laughs) stares at her. His eyes are like locked on Mia. He's like, he had always had a crush on Mia, but now she was dropped in gorgeous Mm -hmm. and he couldn't even handle it. And he's speechless. And so then Lily comes up and of course Lily is never speechless. And she's like, what happened to you? You sold out you look so, and she goes, I don't look that different. She goes, you look so different. You look weirder. And then Michael like shakes himself out of his stupor. And the first thing, the first words that emerge from his mouth are, but like an attractive weirder. (laughs) (laughs) That is my swim skill for this book because I I feel like that like dorky adorableness Mm -hmm. captivate or captures McKenna and Henry. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so mine's from the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, the first one. Okay. Um, So it's like kind of a two-part scene. So there's this scene where Lena, who's played by Alexis Bledel, is literally um, she she's kind of into this guy Costas, who is in Greece, um, but she's like afraid to love, and so she's like, so there's this one scene where she's like standing on the dock, and there's this dramatic song playing, "Can you turn my black roses red?" And she like decides to just like give in to kind of the abandonment of life and not be so uptight, and she like jumps into the water, and then she like goes and finds Costas and kisses him, and it's just like. And then there's just magic. And it was just like this moment where like you realize that it's okay. <laughs> Do you know the scene? Yes. yes no, I'm remembering myself swooning over it the first time. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because he, he was very dreamy. Um, and so <laughs> um, I think that for me, the reason why I use that is because I feel like McKenna had this view that she could only have one thing and she could only have a career and like she couldn't have love. And then when she finally realized, because Henry awakened and that's not me being weird, but like literally made her realize that there was there, that she could have a career and she could also have love and she didn't have to make a decision about one or the other. Um, And so that was kind of, I felt like a coming, it was like a coming of age moment as well as a well, probably not because, but if it can feel that way, um, as well as like a sweet romance where like you decide. And also I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this. I'm going to look it up while Madeline goes, but I'm pretty sure she kissed him first and he was confused and then kissed her back. 
Are you talking about McKenna to Henry or Alexis mm-hmm. to Costas? Both. The answer is you're correct. The answer yes. is you're correct. <laughs> and I've, I've told a record before on the podcast that I love a good romance. Like when we read The London House and um, uh, what's the main character's name? Mm. Oh, oh. Anyways, oh, I don't the main kisses, um, the guy from college and she like kisses him first. And I said that on the record that the right time kiss from the lady to show a man that she's interested, I'm all about. Same thing here. Same thing here. Okay. Same kind of situation. Same kind of situation. All right, Madeline, you're up. What's your okay. spoon scale? So, my so spoon obviously scale. very spoony for me. Very spoony. Yes. So my spoon scale, I chose the Lizzie McGuire movie. Yes. Because um, <laughs> it's iconic. Um, it's really iconic. I love it. And I chose, obviously, um, the final scene um where uh lizzie and gordo are up on that like terrace yes overlooking this Ital- beautiful italian town and basically she's, like, telling him about like how amazing it was to like pretend to be this pop star and how cool she felt and how it was like oh i just i know it's like it's better to like you know not be lying but like it was just so cool to like feel so beautiful and so like amazing and like talented and basically, Gordo's like, you don't need to pretend to be any of those things. I just think that you're amazing all the time. And then there's, like, fireworks going off. And then she kisses him. And he's like, oh. And then Again, he her back. kisses him. <laughs> Ladies, PSA to you. If, there, uh, if it's the right moment and you need to let a guy know that you're interested. There you go. And That's what dreams are made of. This is oh. what dreams are made of. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'd love it. Wow. <laughs> and this is the episode where our podcast suddenly becomes a musical. <laughs> no wow, one happened. I've been dreaming about this happening. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Anyways, those are great, great swoon scales, ladies. I love so them. We all obviously thought this book was very swoony. Um, and I literally told Bethany, if you didn't hear the interview, go back. It's our it's our bonus episode um, back from April, I think is when it came out, is that I told Bethany she basically wrote my soulmate in character form. <laughs> yes, you did say that. I did say that. And I will go on record and say that for a long time. But that's that. What is our next? Um, the God Factor? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we talked about um, this a little bit in... Um, plot twist and then also again with Bethany um, in that how she does um, her kind of like the way that she makes it Christian is definitely not or the way that she makes it Christian in air quotes is definitely not what you would conventionally see in Christian fiction and I feel like this this book is another example of that in that, to me, the God factor was, it was very subtle, mm-hmm. um, but you could really see it in the redemption um, arc between McKenna and Sev. I mean, like, specifically right. to me, like, her sister and her mom, mm-hmm. like, all of these kind of bitter feelings that she had been living with had become her reality um, mm-hmm. for a huge chunk of her life, the majority of her life. And seeing, identifying that those were the wrong, they were not truth, and then having to own up to that and make the 
the move towards redemption and healing with um, people she was in a relationship with. Um, I thought that was really, that was where I, I saw it and felt it most um, because, and also it was very relatable too, because how many of us have had situations where it's just like, you've just let stuff become your reality oh, yeah. and it's not the reality. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then God has to come in and work on your heart and like, right. hey, no, that's not true. And then it's hard to fess up to people and be vulnerable and do all of this stuff. But it's so worthwhile to, and fulfilling to heal those relationships and um, necessary. Yeah. So, well, that was and I would say too that that kind of ties along the lines of my two, the redemptive of relationships, even her relationship with herself, because I feel like she entirely built up her self-worth. And it, I feel like, and I said, I'm pretty sure I said this to Bethany is that like, I felt like McKenna um, because I've definitely gone through that after, you know, I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast um, that I kind of went through a similar thing at a job. And when that happened, I felt like everything that I knew about myself and my identity was gone. Cause like, no, I'm the, the I have a career. Like I'm going to grad school. Like this is what I do. And this is my whole life and my identity. And I feel like watching it unravel, and then her kind of rebuild it and also like find redemption and find God and also find joy and not have panic attacks and also like give herself a chance to hope and dream again. That feels like a God thing um, is, is that kind of character arc of allowing yourself to like, you're, you're at the bottom, you're at rock bottom, but instead of it just being, this is where I'm at, you end up finding a whole new story and you emerge a different and a better version of yourself um, that maybe you didn't have time because of your workaholic tendencies, whatever, um, to find. So I thought that was, to me, that that was more, that was a God moment because I think that for all of us, we have to take time as an adult to discover who God has created us to be entirely and who has, who he has in his unique way of seeing the world and seeing everyone before time, how he's decided when we come to this world and why we're here. And so I feel like that was a beautiful God factor for me as well. Hmm. Awesome. Love that. Yeah, I mean, mine was probably a combination of the two things. I think my favorite element of it was the redemption plotline um, between McKenna and Taylor. Mm -hmm. um, because that was like, I, I am the baby sister in my family and I have two big sisters. So that was like, oh, that was like so painful to read at the beginning. Because you're just like, oh, like clearly there's like such a disconnect between the two mm -hmm. characters. Misunderstanding themselves that each other misunderstanding each other but it was like hard to read because it's like so obvious that taylor was like reaching out and like wanting that connection with her big sister and erica was like not giving it to her um and i actually read some reviews that a lot of a lot of reviews that i saw when i was looking for reviews to read um were like did not finish because they were so annoyed with that relationship and I thought that was, and I thought that was a big shame when I read that because you missed redemption. I know because even in the beginning, like when I was reading it, and I was like, "Oh, this is really hard to read." I knew in my mind, I was like, "I know that Bethany Turner is going to redeem this relationship. That's why she's spending so much time on it." Like that was obvious to me, so I was like, I was inclined even more so to read, like mm -hmm. than I was because I was like, "This is going to be good. What she's going to redeem this? It's going to be great." Yeah. So that was yeah. probably my favorite kind of redemptive yeah. arc was that relationship between McKenna and Taylor. Yeah. And it was just beautiful that it felt like it came as kind of a domino effect that they kind of had that 
um, redemptive moment. And then um, her and her mom had a redemptive moment. And then her and Henry also had a redemptive moment, but it became this like thing. And then she, you know, she came, you know, uh, came clean about what she'd been going through and her family was like very supportive. So I think that it was just kind of this like redemptive kind of ending to the story in so many ways. So, yes. Um, okay. The next section is problematic, right? Yes. Yeah. Hi wait, highlights. highlights and problematic. Yeah. Highlights. highlights. Let's talk about the highlights first. Let's do it. Um, my highlights were, um, as I said, I loved all of the elements of PBS woven in there. That was a highlight for me. Um, obviously all of the swoony stuff, but um, I also liked weirdly because it definitely it it was very like stereotypical romance where like something happened and it was like oh no they're not gonna get together and then something else happened and then you're like oh phew they're gonna get together like that's a normal like they meet mm -hmm. they have their intense kind of romantic thing there's a falling and, out yeah and then it's whatever so anyways but for some reason to me it felt relatively low angst and i don't know why not in a bad way but in like a nice comforting way i was like okay well i know everything's gonna be fine and i didn't even read the back but i knew everything was gonna be fine yeah. you didn't skip to the last page in this i i didn't read the back either but i didn't skip wow. to the last page um but for some reason to me, like the story felt relatively low angst, even though it had all of that great romance plot line that you want. Yeah. And I really liked that. I liked that it was a low angst story because people were reasonable and rational. I think that's why. So I liked that a lot. And then um, my other highlight was Henry. Just Henry. Just Henry. He was great. <laughs> I loved everything about Henry. Yes. I and just for the record, I would give him way more than two stars. Henry gets oh. five for me. Yeah, Henry himself gets five stars. It's fine okay. if McKenna brought the story down for you. I don't agree with it, but that's fine. But Henry needs five stars. The cutie pie you only get two stars too. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that one of my highlights is also Henry. Um, and I think it's funny that one of his flaws is that he doesn't sleep at night, and then like. And him and McKenna, like, kind of are finally at a good place. He tells her that he sleeps throughout the night, which is very sweet. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the other part I liked is the dialogue. I feel like it read like a rom-com movie. Like, mm -hmm. this honestly could become a movie. And oh, it would be a, 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 a big hit in the rom-com world. Um, and I liked the fact that it was, like, quippy, but, like, not too quippy. And, like... Her and, and not only her and Henry's, McKenna and Henry's dialogue, but just, like, I loved even the, like, pace of her and Erica's dialogue and her and Jerry's dialogue and her and kind of um, dialogue just in the, 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 way, the way she, like, saw the world in her own thought life. And, yeah, I thought it was magnificent. Um, and I definitely highlights. And I love, again, all the, like, pop culture stuff that Bethany throws in there. It's uh -huh. always delightful. Really cool. so fun. Um, so fun and I also love the fact that in this one um because in her last one that we read plot twist there was obviously like the whole like celebrity movie star but it, it Henry was like a normal 
guy who was like a, you know, a filmmaker. And it was just fun that there was still that kind of element of the celebrity trendy kind of vibe. And I, I really appreciate that as a highlight too. Yes. What about you? Um, I think, I think I already mentioned my highlight, but I'll say it again. My highlight is the scene is the Mr. Darcy scene. Yes. Yes. It's gorgeous. Everything about him is gorgeous. I loved it. So fun. With Henry walking in and being like so flustered and <laughs> was like, yeah, I'll have a cup of coffee. Oh, wait, no, I really shouldn't. I have to go. <laughs> it was, it was, it was like, it's early on in the book. Um, so it's like kind of the beginning of their like re meet, like meeting each other again after all those years. And it was just lovely. I loved it. Yeah. Also, highlight for me was the fact they're both older. And I said that to Bethany that I appreciated about this romance is that like they were in their late 30s. Yeah. Which is not old, but it's older, I'll say. Odette has 17. Rom-com heroines. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Odette has 17 highlights. Surprise, <laughs> <laughs> surprise. This is my first five-star book rating on this podcast. I mean, it merits plenty of highlights. <laughs> it does. Any problematic things for you, for me, ladies? I don't actually have anything. Well, the only the only thing that I like thought about talking about on the podcast, like when I read it, I was like, I read that, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that's going to be a problem for me. <laughs> talk about problems on the podcast, <laughs> and it was just like how like how much we we saw Henry just checking McKenna out and like obviously being very drawn to her physical body and like looking at her, um, which kind of makes me sound like a prude a little bit because listen, I love a swoony scene where we see a man taking in a woman's beauty and being overwhelmed by it. Like there's nothing, I, I love it. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but then also there's that, there's that, sermon on the mouth that comes nagging into my brain if you look at a woman with lust in your heart then you've already committed adultery with her so that would be my only thing but i i, I don't even know if i ever decided that it Wouldn't was it not be adultery though if you're both single huh i thought adultery was only if like you're like someone's in a relationship and you cheat on the person well i think that jesus was saying in that moment like lusting after somebody regardless of whether you're like lusting after somebody is 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 just as bad as committing adultery got it like okay. what i mean like, i feel like that's what jesus was saying like okay. regardless of whether you're um, single okay really, that makes sense. Yeah. okay you know what i mean like i feel like that's what he was trying to say like he's it's yeah. about the attitude of your heart more than like the physical act of doing yeah. um but I don't know that I actually determined if that was a problem for me. <laughs> I just thought about it. Like the thought process went through my head. So there's there's that. I don't even know if it's a problem. That's just what I thought about when That's I thought about problems. <laughs> my problem is that I didn't want the book to end and then end the epilogue. But I wanted to have more. I wanted like a two, kind of like a PS and then a PPS. I wanted to have a like another epilogue like an epilogue, epilogue, epilogue part two <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, because since this felt very rom-commy to me, you know how, like, the rom-coms, it'll have, like, a final scene, and then they'll have a little bit more, and then during the ending credits, there'll be a little bit more. I wanted a little bit That's more. <laughs> yeah. That's how you know you've written a really good, or you've read, written or read, a really good love story is when, like, the love story ends, and you just want to see this couple, like, thrive. You just want to, like, see other scenes from their lives. Like, you just want to, like, experience their lives, you know? Like, that's how you know. You've watched a really good love story. Absolutely. (laughs) Because it doesn't end. It just means it doesn't end. Because you know their love story is going to continue. And you want more. I love it. So good, people. So good. So good. Okay. I mean, wow. Wow. That's That's it. That's it. So this was um, our second book recommendation episode. Yes. Our, yes. Um, and I don't know that we said this in the beginning because I got very excited and I may have not said it, but this recommendation kind of comes from me and Bethany Turner and kind of Morgan because um, when, Morgan, when we found out that we were going to be interviewing Bethany, it was like back in March of 2022, it was, which is this year, but just in case you're listening later on, um, she, um, had just had uh, the do over come out. And so we were like, oh, we're gonna interview the author. So we, Morgan and I went out and bought the book at Barnes and Noble and read most, I read all of it, but Morgan re- read some of it. And- um, I bought mine from Barnes and Noble. I just wanna oh, put sorry. there. I usually did not purchase mine from Barnes and Noble. Oh, sorry, sorry. I purchased mine from Barnes and Noble. She purchased her, but what I'm saying is like, we went out That's and bought it new. What'd you say? That sounded like a little bit of salt coming from Morgan. I, I was, I was just trying. Dare you? I do not go to Barnes and Noble. I go to no. Books and Noble. I used to work at Barnes and Noble. I have no problems with it. But yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, and here. so it's kind of a combined recommendation for this podcast episode. We just really wanted to talk about another Bethany Turner book. Yeah. Also, I just really wanted to talk about Henry and McKenna, and specifically Henry. So that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But we did, people. It's a lovely, also, I just wanted people to know that it's a lovely, lovely book and you should absolutely read it. It really is. It's so good. Highly recommend, obviously. Okay, okay. so. And so our next um, theme. Our next theme, Morgan, do you want to talk about our next theme? Because this is a personal favorite of yours and she's literally here. I'm so excited. So, yeah, this, the next theme that we're going to be doing is category romance. And category romance, I will probably talk a little bit about the history of category romance when we actually do it. But basically, those are the, like, a lot of people think of Harlequin, the publisher, when they think of category romance. So those really small, short books that you see at, like, the grocery store, mm-hmm. that's yep. category romance. It's kind of the, the chili pepper covers, if you know what I mean. Most of them don't have chili pepper covers in them, <laughs> actually. What? They we don't? don't. Hardly them do. How? When was the last time you guys went to Walmart and looked at the Harlequins? I have never gone to Walmart and looked at Harlequins, but I have passed it recently, like the section in the grocery store. And I feel like there's always one book with like a long guy with long hair and a big chest and a woman with heaving bosoms. Those aren't Harlequins. Oh. Okay. Those aren't categories. But here's the thing: is we're reading romance. That's not category romance. No. But we're no. reading Christian category romance. Right. So no bosoms are heaving. You'll see, no bosoms. You'll see sunset on the book covers, literally. And sunset. if they were, we're they're not going to talk about it on the page. Am I right? 
That's what the chili pepper thing was, right? <laughs> zero out of zero. <laughs> chili zero out of five chili peppers. I honestly thought when you were talking about category romance this whole time, I honestly thought that Harlequin was considered category romance. Harlequin is category romance. Isn't Harlequin the one with like the little ones that are like... They're little, but I, I'll... We'll, yeah. well, here's the thing. Morgan will do a deep dive, so I'm sure I'm not. I will. I'm gonna do a deep question. dive on the history of category romance, but typically the ones that you're thinking. Technical difficulties again. I don't know. This might be our last virtual podcast. Oh, maybe. Also, I bought a lot of but... snacks with this myself, so I feel like because we usually oh have gosh. a we start the podcast with, with, with lots of snacks and chats. There's no um, patch kids yeah. with me, so I ate them all myself. <laughs> I don't know if I like this, but what is our first, what is our first, uh, title for category romance? Is it Cassidy's Charm? Yes. Cassidy's Charms by, by Diane Dayton. Mills. Um, yes. If you want to read along, I'd recommend trying to find it at your library or go to a used bookstore. Um, those are probably the, the best spots or maybe try to find it online, but it's definitely kind of an older category. Maybe better, betterworldbooks.com. Yeah. yeah better. better world books. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, we're very excited to start this. Um, Morgan yeah. is, yeah, I mean, you should see her face right now. She's ecstatic. She's literally beaming in a way that I haven't seen. And honestly, we're all going to learn about what category romance is because I'm sure I'm not, you know, the only one who's misinformed, but excited to read my, apparently my first category romance. Um, yeah, so we're really excited. And uh, thanks for tuning in and go read the do-over because it's delightful. It's so good. Thanks, guys. All right, Thank Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram at Redeeming Lit Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify so you don't miss any episodes. If you have any questions or book recommendations, email us at redeeminglitpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep, keep it lit. lit.